Nothing. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob, back again hosting because uh, Christian, what is the update one week later on your uh, internet there, bud? <laughs> Yeah, so nobody asks, uh, I guess except you, uh, for an internet Wi-Fi update. Um, I had Wi-Fi installed on Tuesday, so that's the good news. The bad news is that after it was installed, the guy that installed it said, hey, by the way, you only have, uh, your, your internet speeds 25 megabytes per second, and you have a data limit of 1,025 gigabytes per month. If you go over, it's a ten month, uh, like ten dollar per gig charge. I live in a four person household and I work from home. <laughs> um, and I, as some of you may know, if you listen to the pod enough, I also do like playing FIFA quite a bit. Uh, so none of that was going to work for me. I get my Wi Fi change. I, I lasted two days with that Wi Fi. Get my Wi Fi changed on thursday and it's been running smoothly up until now i just don't have wi-fi right now so i'm hoping this isn't uh going to become a regular issue if it is i'm just going to air these companies out by name on the (laughs) podcast with uh with how much power we have here on can you dig it and hopefully spark some change in the wi-fi community because this is this is ridiculous like like demarcus cousins once said it's getting ridiculous out here so far, your Wi-Fi is about as consistent as the Lakers are defensively this preseason. Smooth, uh, smooth, smooth. Like that. Uh, the, <laughs> the Lakers obviously played on Sunday night, fourth loss of the preseason, uh, though it did feature probably their best stretch of the preseason in the second quarter. Ultimately, they fall 123-94. to 94. Let's start with the positives first and that second quarter. They outscored Phoenix 26-23, but they had a 13-0 run that they kind of very briefly looked like a Lakers team that they were under Vogel the last two seasons. What would you like from that second quarter? Uh, The first thing I'll say is that anybody calling the Lakers a big three and not a big four uh, will have changed their tune tonight because of Carmelo Anthony <laughs> you can't you can't see it but I am doing three to three to the dome right now I'm all the way in uh, if the Lakers front office's goal for this season was just to appease NBA fans between the ages of like 24 and 32 they hit their target demo I was losing it with every point Carmelo Anthony made during that run. And I'll also say, or uh, rather I'll ask, are the Lakers Austin Reeves team? Is he the <laughs> best guard on the roster right now? He, uh, Hillbilly Kobe, as we will refer to him. Uh, he, he's legit. Like I can understand having watched him play he he was one of the first guards off the bench like mm-hmm. he was playing with the rotation like the rotation guys today i don't think that's obviously going to happen I've, part of that's uh 
Malik Monk's injury that we'll talk about, LeBron not playing, various things like that. But no, he's legit. Like he's it's it's wild that he went undrafted. I know he turned down chances to be drafted to sign uh, a two way deal and eventually a a regular contract with the Lakers. But yeah, no, he's legit. But no, Melo is so much fun to root for. Like I tweeted at one point during that second quarter that I could watch Melo shoot all day long. Like he has such an aesthetically pleasing jumper and he was on fire tonight. He ended up six of 12 overall, but five of seven from three. Uh, He was as big a part as anyone during this, uh, during that second quarter, he had six points during it though. The only one who I'd say had a bigger hand in it was Anthony Davis, who, uh, had the big alley-oop dunk on a terrible alley-oop from Kent Bazemore, Danny Green-esque. Uh, and he, he, the Dave McMenamin joked afterwards in the press conference, asked if, uh, does a bad pass make for a better alley-oop dunk? Because that was one of the, the best <laughs> plays Anthony Davis had. Yeah, it, 80 looked really, really good. Um, and we may have talked about it already, but the most encouraging, if, if you're to take anything away from this preseason, uh, a positive of which there haven't been many, but again, it's a preseason. I don't care. I, I am on record saying I, I could not care any less about the preseason. I get that with a team with this much roster turnover, you'd like to see, them start to build towards things in the preseason and you can stress the importance of the preseason for teams like that. I get that. Those are valid points. I personally do not care. So my one takeaway from the preseason has been Anthony Davis looks healthy and hopefully it stays that way. Uh, I have no reason to believe that it won't. And uh, yeah, let's, Let's hope he keeps balling out because he's doing the Anthony Davis is a big guard things that makes him such a lethal threat offensively. And then defensively, he looks as good as he's been. Unfortunately, uh, Anthony Davis alone can't anchor the Lakers defense. And we knew going into the season that the Lakers were going to look less good is a nice way of putting it uh, than they have the past two seasons because of how much emphasis they put on offense and, you know, a guard heavy roster, but I don't know about you, Jacob. I didn't expect it to be this bad, even in the preseason. Uh, I was thinking during that first quarter, which was far, far, far uglier than the second quarter. uh, I was beginning to wonder if the Lakers were going to give me any reason to be optimistic this preseason. (laughs) Uh, because it was ugly in that first quarter on both ends of the court. But yeah, really through the whole game, honestly, through most of the preseason, aside from that first quarter against the Warriors the other night, the defense has been really, really bad. Um, They, listen, there were some thoughts that creeped into my head during this game tonight (laughs) of comparisons to the 2012-13 Lakers. And how I said this in our Slack before even realizing that Harrison's preview for today's game or tonight's game, Sunday's game, 
was mentioned the same thing. All I'm saying is there's a lot of similarities between the two. That team went winless in the preseason. Uh, this team has looked awful for much of the preseason. Injuries curse that team. Injuries are starting to pile up a little bit for this team. So I'm not saying this is going to obviously end the same way, but I do not like how many comparisons there are on this growing list. Listen, listen, listen. As my good friend Jackson Frank noted on Twitter, the Milwaukee Bucks also went winless in the preseason last year. Or, God, can I, can I even say last year when talking about? Three months ago. Season? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that in, in the preseason. So, I'd, I'd, you know, I wouldn't overreact too much. But And, and I, I tweeted this as well. The concerns about the Lakers roster construction – specifically as it pertains to Russell Westbrook and maximizing his value, there are legitimate criticisms that can be made. Uh, and I think the injury of Trevor Reza only heightened those criticisms because as we've mentioned several times now, the Lakers only have like four capable forwards on the roster. Uh, and you can argue that only three of them uh, which I guess, I mean, now that I'm saying it out loud, doesn't sound bad. Uh, but Trevor Reese is going to be out for a while, and he's, you know, one of those three that's renowned for their defense. Trevor Reese, or LeBron James and Anthony Davis are all defensive guys when they're locked in. Uh, I think LeBron James had a very strong case for an all defensive team last year, but I digress. Um, it, I, I get those criticisms. I agree with many of them. I just don't think now is the time to make them. Uh, I think, again, that, that Ariza injury probably expedited how fast I got to a lot of those conclusions. But we haven't even seen this team with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis yet. And that's not to say that a lot of the problems and questions that exist with this roster won't exist when those three play together. You could make the argument that when LeBron and Russ are on the floor together, there will be even more questions about Russ playing off ball and, you know, who who's going to be the ball handler in that situation. But we will get to that point. We're not there yet. I also have a hard time believing that this is the roster the Lakers are going to end the season with. It does feel like the... I'm trying to think 2019-20 team that the team we saw on opening night against the Clippers looked vastly different, both in terms of construction and just the rotation than the one that ended up winning the finals. Um, I will say you're not the only one who doesn't put much stock into the preseason. For those that didn't see it after Friday's game, LeBron had the greatest quote ever about the preseason. Uh <laughs> When he was asked about uh, basically what the preseason means uh, and if he takes anything away from the preseason, quote, nothing at all. I'm not going to learn anything. Nothing. That means zero. (laughs) So uh, you and LeBron James have something in common because neither of you are taking much away from this preseason, though it's worth talking about in the sense that these are trends that could come about because the other worrying trend I'm sure for many is the fact that now through two games Russell Westbrook who uh, played on Friday played on Sunday as well 
has 15 turnovers. And it was obviously what he was asked about um, during the post game. He kind of laughed and said, good thing that these turnovers don't count. And uh, he also joked to keep the same energy when he has a 20 assist game. Uh, he said that while laughing. I know it doesn't come across that way on tweets sometimes, but uh, he said that with a laugh. But how worried, I know you kind of touched on it. How worried are you about Westbrook and kind of building this chemistry? Because his passes are not even close right now. Right. I think I've mentioned this in everything I've written about Westbrook this season or since they traded for him. Westbrook is going to have nights, several nights, where he just pisses you off. Like, you are you are angry watching Russell Westbrook play basketball. Uh, and Frank Vogel kind of alluded to something that, you know, I've, I think can be a good thing and a bad thing about Westbrook's game is that he is going to try at all times give – like go full send in everything he does on the court. And Frank Vogel in post game today said that you can really tell Westbrook's trying to get everybody involved and bring some sort of energy to the team with the passes. I mean, that's not just something that's not even just an energy thing that Frank Vogel gets from watching Westbrook in practices or in games. There are a few times tonight where Westbrook was throwing bullet passes to the person right next to him. Yeah. Like, it's – I don't know if I'd say concerning. Um, I think the hope with Westbrook and really everybody on this roster, when you think about how many veterans are on this roster and their paths to the Lakers, whether it's Carmelo Anthony and DeAndre Jordan – falling from grace, if you will, being being starters on playoff teams to being role players on, on playoff teams. Um, the hope with these guys, I think, is with a veteran roster, everybody holds each other accountable. Starting with LeBron James, being able to reel these guys in and say, hey, I know that's how you did things before, but if you want to win a championship, we're going to do things a little different. And we'll see how that goes when, again, the big three play together. Uh, until then, uh, until oh – God, I don't even know. I was going to try to put a number on the amount of games I'm going to give the Lakers until I push the panic button. But I don't, with, a, with a team like this, with a veteran team like this, I just feel like – Personally, they have so much more leeway in my book because there will always be that feeling that they'll flip the switch eventually. The I I it would be a really big number for me for two reasons. One, because uh, Russ in general is kind of a slow starter uh, when it comes to seasons and kind of getting a feel uh, for his new teammates, and second, just in general putting LeBron with other superstars leads to slow starts. You saw it in Miami when he went there with Wade and Bosch. You saw it back in Cleveland when he was there with Kyrie and Kevin Love. Obviously it's a little different because he's had over two seasons with 
AD, but there's going to be some of that learning curve with Russ. Uh, when it comes to Russ and the panic button in general, I'm not ready to hit it yet because, as you said, the the turnovers Russ is largely having are things that once they play together, it'll be ironed out and they'll get a feel for each other. Uh, it's dump off passes that guys aren't ready for, or he's they're not reading it right. The t- whether it's Russ, AD, Dwight, DeAndre, uh, their passes to the corners that uh, he's kind of just jumping and getting himself caught. It's all things that'll fix their, themselves out. So, and that's kind of what he said. That's what Vogel said, as you mentioned. The other reason I'm not worried yet is because the big three hasn't played together (laughs) and uh the good news is they said ad said on sunday night during his post game that they're all going to play together on tuesday so we're going to kind of look ahead at what that starting lineup could be and take a look at this starting shooting guard position that has been the most contested position on the team Uh, we'll take a look at that here right after this break So if you wanted good news after this loss, it's not only that the big three is going to play together on Tuesday, it's that AD is going to start at the five, he said as well. Frank Vogel must be livid that AD just gave away all this information on his starting lineup two days (laughs) in advance. But uh, it's going to be interesting uh, seeing who starts in that lineup Because for one, prior to the game on Sunday, Frank Vogel revealed that Malik Monk, who had been listed out with a groin strain, he's going to be out for a a week. He'll be reevaluated in a week, I should say. But they're hopeful he'll be ready for the season opener. So he's probably been the best of the uh, candidates for the shooting guard position, but he's not available. So Christian, who do you see in the other two spots in the starting lineup on Tuesday? Oh, man. If you asked me that before Ariza's injury, I probably would have felt comfortable saying, like, a three-guard lineup with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or even, like, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and one of Ariza or Melo in the starting lineup with Anthony Davis at center. But I, at this point, I don't even know if you can use what we've seen in the preseason as the, I guess, blueprint for how the Lakers are going to start in the regular season. And that's not just because they've been so bad and, like, the combinations they've tried haven't worked. It's also, at this point, a necessity thing. Like, the Lakers are going to have to play bigger than I'm guessing they would have liked as a result of this Ariza injury. And it's actually interesting to me that I I didn't see that AD said he was going to start at the five. If that's the case, I mean, if you're asking me what my ideal starting lineup would be, Sand like if uh, even if the Ariza injury never happened, um, I'd probably go Westbrook, mm. <laughs> Monk, Bazemore, 
LeBron and AD. I could be talked into Ellington at the two because I think Monk and THT or just Monk Nun and THT off the bench is very cool uh, for the Lakers. I think that would be awesome. But working with what we saw in the preseason and assuming 80 starts at the five, that would be my preferred lineup. Since we do live in a world where Ariza is going to be out for a considerable amount of time, though, I'd probably lean a more traditional Westbrook. Oh, that, two, that goddamn two spot, man. <laughs> um, let's go Westbrook, Ellington, LeBron, AD, and DJ. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, obviously. I see Tuesday as, uh, as some sort of test uh, for how well they can defend with the big three and AD at center. Because I think that's ultimately what's going to determine uh, if they can live with AD at center, is whether the guards can play enough to play defense well enough to make it viable. Um it's on Tuesday, I would say starting lineup is going to be LeBron, Ellington, Baysmore, Russ, and AD. Um, Ellington, <laughs> Ellington has struggled this preseason, struggled mightily. Uh, he came into the night uh, shooting four of 16 from three, 25%, and then went one of five tonight. So he's five of 21 uh at some point that's gonna have to turn around for him to stay in the rotation because he has been getting cooked defensively uh no matter who he's guarding for now he still has enough gravity just as a respected shooter that it'll work uh if all things equal aside from the Ariza injury on opening night, I would probably say I also think they're going to start big. And I also think that Monk is going to be the shooting guard. It's going to be interesting to see Kendrick Nunn, I thought has played well this preseason. Hasn't shot the ball well, but has offered some kind of playmaking and some variety. I don't know how valuable that is in the starting shooting guard position versus coming off the bench. I also thought on Sunday, Kent Bazemore played really well. Uh, he <clears throat> finished with eight points, four steals, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, he was two of five from three. I would say right now the competition for that starting shooting guard position, assuming they're both healthy, is probably down to Kent Bazemore and Malik Monk. Do you agree? Yeah, that's fair. And I think um, just going off of preseason performances, Monk probably has the edge. And just gives them a a different look than anybody else in that starting lineup. Uh, I'm talking about Monk, of course. Um, Offensively. Defensively, you know, to be determined with the entire roster, and we'll get we'll get to that a little bit in a sec. But I think we saw during that run 
that they went on on Sunday, there is if all the guys are locked in uh, and and giving their effort, there are ways you can hide guys like Monk and Ellington who was on the floor and actually looked pretty damn good uh, during that run. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the benefits of starting Malik Monk are pretty obvious. He, and for, <laughs> for all the talk about the Lakers signing Bazemore and Ellington for their shooting, Malik, Malik Monk, uh, obviously before his injury, was shooting the lights out, and that carries over. I think he's, abs- he, he's who you'd want starting next to uh, Russ and LeBron. Again, I cannot thank him enough for making me look really smart. We, <laughs> we were here last week, and he had done it for one game. We're back this week, and it was three games that he had done it in a row. Uh, yeah, before his injury, which will finish his preseason, uh, he was shooting 47% from three on 17 attempts, which is uh, second most on the team behind Kendrick Nunn. Um and none played, I believe, an extra game. Yeah, that's with none playing uh, all four games so far. So in terms of what he's done in the preseason, I don't think anybody on the team's raised their stock as much as Malik Monk. Uh, I was slightly concerned that he would come here and potentially get buried in the bench. Uh, that certainly is not going to happen. Uh, he is absolutely going to get his chance once he comes mm-hmm. back. So that's positive. And as you said, he brings things to the table that uh, the other shooting guards on the Lakers do not. So uh, it's been a really encouraging start for him. I I would say the only other person that we haven't mentioned as a potential for that shooting guard spot would be Talon Horton Tucker, who Mm -hmm. um, he also did not play on Sunday. Uh, It was a thumb injury that kept him out. Frank Vogel said that he was going through a medical evaluation uh, pregame. He didn't have any update postgame. So I don't know if that's one of those he has a quote-unquote sprained thumb and he'll be back or if it's actually a a thumb injury. We'll obviously find out more on Monday. But is there any way you see uh, THT in that starting lineup? No. Um not only do I think it would be a spacing nightmare. I mean, any, anybody that watched Sunday's game, oof, the spacing with Russ and DJ on the floor was was rough. And uh, I, I I don't anticipate the Lakers are going to make it harder on themselves than it's already going to be, assuming they start a, a traditional center. The other thing, too, is I think if you're going to make – these smaller lineups work like say the the Lakers do go with a Russell Westbrook Malik Malik Monk Kent Bazemore LeBron James and Anthony Davis starting lineup which I'd be in favor of um if you're gonna make a three guard lineup work with Melo and Dwight at the four and five assuming we get a full five out lineup uh which i God, that that as much as people have made like big deals about things happening in the preseason, 
if Frank Vogel didn't stagger LeBron James and Russell Westbrook early in the season, I'd push the panic button immediately. <laughs> like that is something I'd be like, I'd, I'd be on my Anthony Irwin soapbox when it comes to <laughs> uh, staggering if that, if that happened, but it hasn't, I don't imagine it will. But my, uh, my point is in saying all of that, if you're going to do a three guard lineup and use the little depth you have at the four to rotate LeBron 80 and mellow, which is what they're going to have to do. Yeah. You start tailing at the three or tailing your backup three uh, for the time being. So that's, those are the two reasons I don't think Talon will start. Uh, I think that conversation maybe could change as the season progresses, or if the Lakers, you know, hit, James Ennis's DMs and are like, okay, <laughs> fine. You win. Uh, shout out to James Ennis, who, if you missed it on Sunday, is just now openly subtweeting the Lakers, asking them to, <laughs> to sign him. Uh, I think the only way THT would start is if they want like a more defensive option with the starting lineup. Because if you do put like Russ, Bazemore, THT, LeBron, and AD, that THT has been good defensively. And honestly, I think just kind of all around, he's been pretty good this preseason. Uh, he's flashed a little bit of a th- improved three-pointer, though it's still just 36%. Uh, but I would say that's the only way if he really shines on defense and the starting lineup is just hemorrhaging points. Uh, maybe then you go to him, but yeah, spacing wouldn't be great with THT and Russ on the floor at the same time. Um, I don't really see an avenue for him to start, but also I think he's going to be, as you kind of were saying, he's going to be really important to this team. Uh, there were, there's been times in this preseason, albeit obviously the Lakers have been shorthanded. He's basically been there four for times during this preseason, uh, it's been wild how many guards the Lakers have and how many they're trotting out there, but uh, we've seen more than a few times now a Rondo and Russ lineup together, which I pray to God does not happen during the regular season for meaningful minutes, but uh, so far that has happened. Um, it, Yeah, THT has been strong, but I don't see him um, – getting any more minute or any starting minutes, I should say, unless things are really going awry defensively. And even then I think they would go to Dwight at center and uh, things like that before they would go to THT as a, as an option. Uh, That's all I have for tonight. And unless there's anything else from that game that stuck out to you that you want to add or anything like that. Uh, not from that game, but we did get a question on Twitter that I would like to get to before we head out. Um, Beautiful Shy asked, can the Lakers' defense improve over the next two preseason, preseason games? And what is the most consistent defensive unit so far in your mind? Um, that is uh, that is a great question. I'll, I'll start with the, the first point she asked. Um, over the next two preseason games, can the Lakers improve their defense? Probably not. I was going to say uh, the answer to that will be no. <laughs> um, 
in the most consistent defensive unit so far. Yikes. Like, first of all, you'd have to find a stretch of more than like 45 seconds that the Lakers played consistent defense. <laughs> um, and that may have been Sunday tonight. night. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's whatever that five was out there for that 13 0 run <laughs> tonight. It was uh, Baysmore, Ellington, uh, AD, Mello, and it might have been Russ. I can't remember who the point guard was, but that was the best defense the Lakers have played all season or all preseason. I can tell you what, I don't anticipate Ellington being in the Lakers' best defensive <laughs> lineups very frequently. I So, I don't know. Since I can't really answer any of those questions, I'll say I anticipate the Lakers' best defensive lineup when everybody's healthy is going to be Russ, Bays, LeBron, Ariza, and AD. Or you can even sub Ariza and put Russ Bays, THT, LeBron, and AD. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that if you're holding your breath on the Lakers improving their defense in the next two preseason games, I would, uh, you know, maybe sit those two out and maybe the first 20 games of this season, too. Yeah, I was going to say, there are not going to be any drastic turnarounds with this Lakers team. It might look a little prettier offensively. It may be a little defensively with a big three playing on Tuesday, but this is very much going to be a uh, a slow progression with this team. The Lakers have all been adamant throughout the preseason about patience. Nobody on that side is panicking even a little bit yet. Even on Sunday night, everybody was talking patience, whether it was Russ, Mello, AD, LeBron, Vogel, everyone who's talked, Dwight, has talked about just being patient and they're going to figure it out. So in the next two games, no. In the next about two months, yes. But <laughs> this team is very much one that is only looking to be at its best come playoff time. And when you have a veteran team like this, I don't think that they're going to care much about home court advantage. Like it won't be their top priority, I should say. So this is a team that's going to kind of slowly figure things out. Uh, I w- again, I would imagine those that first, as you said, 20 games, there's probably going to be some pretty rough moments in there. They're probably going to drop a game or two that's going to really annoy us. But I still think, as you were saying early on in the podcast, it's going to be a really big number before I really hit the panic button on this Lakers team because – uh, Zach Lowe said it best on a podcast recently. LeBron is the best problem solver in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I just trust that LeBron is going to get it figured out. And AD's one of the smartest defensive players I can remember. Russ is a very smart player. So I have full faith that these guys are going to get it figured out. But right now and for the near future, I don't think it's going to look pretty. Uh, we will see. Hopefully it looks a little prettier on Tuesday when the Lakers will be back in action at home against Golden State. Christian will be in attendance. Uh, cheer loud for us, bud. And uh, until then, uh, we will be back 
we will be back next week. Somebody will be back tomorrow to uh, get you guys previewed for that Golden State game. Be sure to subscribe wherever you guys listen to us at. We appreciate the support and have a great one.